Hey friends, welcome to episode 38 of the Presequential Podcast, where we go from 1 to 45 and under 90 and discuss the life, legacy, and little-known facts about every American president. I'm your host, Ryan Allwart, joined as always by Blaine Zimmerman and our producer and vice presidential expert, Russ Slivka. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Great. Yeah? Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Wonderful. I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> Had a nice little chat session in the living room before we started. We did. It was a good time. We, I mean, we're covering Gerald Ford tonight. Correct. A man of character, integrity, which we'll get into. But before we get into it, we want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters, our patrons across the country. And we would encourage you to join that for five to ten bucks a month. You get a lot of fun bonus content. Get to join the community. Go to patreon.com slash presequential. And you get those bonus episodes, too. What do you call this thing? That is a koosh ball. You remember when Rosie O'Donnell would, like, shoot him into the crowd? No. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. Koosh ball shooter. Yeah, that's cool. I love a good koosh ball. Good. The, the, the scent is reminiscent of my childhood, and it's just fun to play with. Um, it's very relaxing. It is. I like it a lot. Yeah, they're soft. Anyway, Blaine, tell the good people who are listening today about the book we read. You always name the episodes. You also give them a scoop on what we're drinking tonight. Yeah, so uh, this book was called Gerald Ard Ford, An Honorable Life, mm. which is aptly named. Yeah. It was by James Cannon. It was written in 2013 in textbook form. It was- yeah. It, here's the deal. Like, I, I didn't know how much I liked Jerry Ford until after I read the book, but I hated the book itself. Not the reading of it, but the feel of it. It reminded me of like a textbook in high school, like a trig or like a geometry textbook. It just has the look and feel of it, and it's horrible. It looks like it needs like a paper bag on it. You guys ever make those uh, paper bag book covers back in the day? No? No. Really? I have no idea what you're talking about. Like a grocery bag and you do that? Never mind. It was 464 pages. It was, yeah. And our running page tally is? 17,685. Wow. It's a lot. And this episode is called The Unelected. Ooh, I like that, Blaine. Yeah. Thank you. Good job. What are we drinking tonight, Ryan? Well, we, uh, you guys are drinking uh, some martinis. Because Because Jerry was a big gin martini guy. Yeah. And we learned in one episode, I can't remember who was that, uh, Hoover? Who yeah. Was it? was it Hoover? Yeah, it was Hoover. That we learned that you guys are big martini fans, and I... You are not. ...do not like them. <laughs> and so I'm participating in the gin, but I've got a... Uh, hotel Tango gin. It's good stuff. Yeah. People have been listening for a while know that we enjoy Hotel Tango. Yeah. And I'm drinking it with some nice sparkling water. So cheers, boys. Cheers to you guys listening. Thanks for all your support. Cheers. Let's learn about Leslie. Shall we? Oh, yeah. That's right. But first, before we dive into the episode, should we introduce our guest of honor tonight? Our guest listener is your sister, Maria Mitchell. She is a Grand she is Valley not State. Drinking. No, she is not. She is a Grand Valley State University track and field member. She runs like the wind blows. And she is 17 years your junior. Yeah. You could be her uncle. Maria, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Yes. And why what is the uh, tie-in to Maria? You guys where are Where is Grand Valley located? That's up in Michigan. Yes. It is where, Maria? Grand Rapids. And where is Gerald Ford from? Grand Rapids. There it so is. we have a resident expert in the house. Tell us everything you know about Gerald Ford, Maria. Go, <laughs> go, go. Everything, go. Nothing. Okay, all right. But I love the the Michigan tie-in. Make sure you visit his house. All 
Yeah. When you go back to school. <laughs> the first thing you do. Yeah. Go find Gerald. If you find Ford. a way off campus somehow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you guys remember about uh, Gerald Ford from social studies growing up? Post-Nixon? I, I have nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Barely remember that he pardoned him. But yeah. yeah. Hairline, right? Like he had a pretty oh, extreme yeah. oh, wait, hairline. Yeah. You know what? Michigan football. Okay. He, yep. played, yep. he was the sure. only president that played football in college. Hmm. Yeah. It's more of a personal memory as opposed to like what I learned in high school. But my mom's dad, my papa, my grandfather, he ran off at Air Force Base when Gerald Ford was president. He ran off an Air Force Base? Off at Air oh, Force okay. Base. Where's that? It's in Nebraska. Okay. And right next to Grand Rapids. Yeah, just as the crow flies really quick. <laughs> but there was a picture outside of my papa's office of him greeting Gerald Ford there at the base. And he and my grandmother were there. So I saw that anytime we visited, but that was the extent of my Gerald Ford knowledge. Okay. Which, And we're not surprised if you don't know a whole lot about Gerald Ford either, but we're going to dive in. So uh, let's go. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Gerald Ford was not born Gerald Ford. He was born Leslie Lynch King Jr., to Leslie Lynch King and Dorothy King on July 14th, 1913 in Omaha, Nebraska. And there's no real records that he ever legally changed his name. What? Yeah, Russ is already confused. Well, there's no part of that name that is Gerald Ford. Mm. We will get into that. Oh, but wait, there's more. Uh, So two weeks later, Dorothy moved with her infant son to live with her parents in Grand Rapids, Michigan. After her abusive husband threatened her and the newborn son so they butcher knife on his second day alive wow yeah so that was healthy so basically she generational trauma Mm. yeah it is (laughs) so she escapes a horrible marriage her dad picks her up helps her get out of this they divorce and she goes to grand rapids and there she meets gerald rudolph ford who was a salesman and he owned a paint business and they were married in 1916 And they began calling little Leslie by a new name, Gerald R. Ford Jr., or Jerry for short. He, I don't think, ever legally changed his name to Gerald Ford. So he was always Leslie? We had a President Leslie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was from 18 months old and on, and it was the only father he ever knew. So what happened when he was 12, Blaine? This was Uh, pretty crazy. He's flipping burgers. His stepfather opened a paint store. 1929. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Kept it open through the Depression, yes. which speaks to some character. Yes. When he was 12, I don't have... They, they, I know they called Gerald Junie, which is short for Junior. Yeah. A lot of interesting so names So he had a president, Junie. Junie. So he was working, flipping burgers in high school, well, around yeah, the age, like early teens. His birth father walks in oh, yeah. to where young Gerald Ford is working. With a butcher knife. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and he basically asked him, you know, do you know who I am? I am your father. At this point, he's just totally shook because he's like, I've never, I do not remember you. And apparently his birth father handed him 25 bucks, disappeared. Basically gave him the opportunity to say, hey, do you want to be my son legally or not? And then he's like, we're, we're coming through town. I heard you work here. I'm your dad. Do you want what? And that didn't go well. No, it did not. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. $25 though, back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. A lot of money. So he goes home and he tells this story to his stepfather and his mother. And they essentially tell him, all right, there's part of your story that you've never heard before. And a lot for a young man to Take deal on. with. Yeah. yeah. And process. 
He was an Eagle Scout in high school. He was in the Honor Society. He was very popular with his classmates. He was a very talented athlete. He played center and linebacker on the football team, and they won a state championship in 1930. So already he's on the up and up. Is Michigan big on high school football? Maria? You don't know yet? Okay. They are in track and field, though. Well, at least one section is. At least where you are. The side on the other side of the thumb. (laughs) Can you do the hand hold up mitten thing for Wisconsin too? Because they've got like a little peninsula. Yeah, you hold up the hand and you point north of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, his athletic talent as well as his academics earned him a scholarship to the University of Michigan. Okay, kind of. So his principal called Michigan's football coach to recruit him because there were no athletic scholarships at the time. So the football coach got him a job at the university hospital and the bookstore gave him a hundred dollar scholarship for the first year's tuition because you could go to college for a hundred dollars. Wow. I mean, even back then, that was what, nineteen early nineteen thirties, a hundred bucks back then. It's a couple grand now, maybe. I, mean, I, I doubt ish. it. I doubt yeah. it. It wasn't that far ago. Yeah, yeah. And he played for the Wolverines as a but backup you know what? center. He, he pulled up his bootstraps. He didn't pull out any student loans. <laughs> <laughs> he was the backup center, and he secured the starting spot in 1934, the year he received MVP. And Michigan won the national championship in 32 and 34. He actually got offers from the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers, but he declined both as he had plans to attend law school. Do you remember his Michigan. exact quote? I don't. Do you Pro have football it? won't get me into law school. Oh, hmm. yeah. So when he went to law school, he took an assistant coach job at Yale for $2,400. Oh, and then he legally changed his name. Yeah. Before he went to New Haven. Uh, so that's where it happened. Yep. Yeah. So he's at Yale. He graduates. And in 1940, he was asked to pose for a Look magazine, was the name of the, the magazine, Look, for a photo spread with his model girlfriend, Phyllis Brown. So the next year, <laughs> you're looking at me like this was a... Uh, it wasn't yeah. a scandalous magazine. Okay. No, no, no. He was... It was like the Maxim of their day. <laughs> yeah, FHM. <laughs> yeah. A Christmas Story. That was the magazine, A Christmas Story, that he hid the oh, advertisement yeah. for the or no, uh, Red Rider BB gun. I thought you were talking about Back to the Future where it's a uh, ooh-la-la. Why would you <laughs> think... Okay. Why would you think he was talking about Back to the Future when he clearly said A Christmas Story? I know, but twice. they're both really good movies. Because <laughs> in Back to the Future, Biff hides... Oh, uh, that's right. The, the, the uh, French... The bedding. Oh, wait. The, it's it's basically like a Playboy, and he hides it in a something. Yeah. Okay. You're thinking Back to the Future, too. I was. Sports Great Almanac. sequel. Great sequel. Yeah. Okay. So he earns his law degree from Yale. He goes back to Grand Rapids. Maria, what's the <laughs> mascot at Grand Valley State? Louis the Lakers. Louis, Louis the Lakers. Lakers. Okay. Yeah, you got to do this. Anchor up, baby. Anchor up. Louis Lakers. <laughs> oh, we're up. taking a picture anchoring up tonight. Shout out to all the Lakers out there. So he returns to Grand Rapids. He starts a law firm with, with his, some frat bro. Yeah, his college yeah. buddy. Phil Bouchen, B-U-C-H-E-N, who later would serve on his staff when Ford was president. Fall of 1940, he volunteered for Hoosier. Wendell Wilkie's presidential campaign in New York City, and he was a volunteer. He attended his first Republican convention in Philadelphia that year. In 1942, he entered the U.S. Navy. He served for almost four years during World War II, and he served aboard the aircraft carrier, the USS Monterey, Monterey. for two years. He saw a lot of battles in the South Pacific, and there was this devastating typhoon of 1944 that his ship survived. He almost died. I think at one point because of a horrible storm that he the ship was in, but he survived. He was discharged in 46 as a lieutenant commander, and then he went back to practice law again with his college buddy Phil back in Grand Rapids. What 
explain to me what a lieutenant commander is. I never know. The Navy rank structure is weird. Yeah, so Ensign, Lieutenant JG, Lieutenant... Uh, lieutenant JG. Junior grade. It's so... Comp- Why do we have to make it so complicated, Navy? I don't know. Well, yeah, right? Lieutenant commander, commander, captain, rear admiral, and then you go on. Lieutenant commander. So uh-huh. he was... Okay, so he was an 03? Well, 03 is a lieutenant in the Navy. Lieutenant commander is an 04. So a major okay. in the Air Force. Yeah, there you go. In the Army. Yep. He's elected to the House of Representatives in 48, and he would be reelected every two years through 1972, serving 25 years in the House, which we'll obviously talk about a little bit later. The same year, so this is 48, he married a former dancer and model named Elizabeth or Betty Bloomer. On October 15th of 48, he was so busy campaigning that he arrived only minutes before the wedding ceremony. I mean, so this guy's, you know, hitting the trail. Obviously, his sights are set on politics. And uh, the wedding had to be delayed until just before the 1948 House election because Ford was concerned that conservative voters would take issue with him marrying an ex-dancer who who was already divorced. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, he's like, maybe we need to put this off a little bit. He really quickly became friends with Nixon and JFK mm-hmm. when he went to Washington. Actually, he won that. Uh, he was against the Marshall Plan, and he won by a two-to-one margin over the incumbent. I can't read my handwriting. Junk, junkman. Okay. So he also served on a committee that formed NASA. Oh, yeah. And that was under—was uh, that Ike? LBJ. Okay. All no, right. it couldn't have been LBJ. I think it might no. have been Ike. Uh, yeah, Eisenhower yeah, I was, was NASA. I think yeah, LBJ might have been a senator at the yeah. time who kind of helped lobby for the bill. It had I to have think. been Ike because yeah. Nixon, yeah. Yeah, so Nixon and JFK would have been freshman members of the House, young guys, and so they hit it off. The Fords would go on to have three sons and a daughter, all of whom were born in the 50s. Betty worked at a department store, and she also formed her own dance group that taught dance to kids with physical handicaps. So I don't know how you guys are looking at each other. <laughs> You're already trying to picture what mm-hmm. dances they would do. Uh-huh. Just a lot of popping and locking. A lot of upper body is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Probably. The frug. Yeah. What the is frug? that? What's the frug? Isn't the frug this thing? Um, the Austin Powers kind of. Okay. Russ is moving is both hands a in cow. a vertical. It looks like he's yeah. milking a cow in a front of him. A large cow. Uh, yeah, like a Holstein. <laughs> yeah. Like a Holstein. <laughs> A lot of upper body. The Frug. I've never heard of that dance. Okay. So let's move into his time in the House, all right? So throughout his years in Congress, uh, he was known across the aisle as hardworking, likable, and honest. Early on, he received an assignment to the House Appropriations Committee, which was charged, and still is, with overseeing governmental expenditures, including at the time military spending for the Korean War. The Ways and Means. Yeah, yeah. In 56, he was appointed to the Intelligence Subcommittee, which oversaw the CIA's, the young CIA's budget. He served what was it called then? It was called something else then, right? Pre-CIA, it was the OSS, the OSS, Office yeah. of Strategic T- Services, I Yeah, think. sure. He served on this subcommittee for 10 years, and he learned of covert programs such as the U-2 spy plane program and the Bay of Pigs. Yeah, that was the spy plane that put that album on your iPhone without you asking. <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> Really high altitude listening. (laughs) During his fifth term in Congress, he was appointed to the Select Committee on Astronautics and Space Exploration. There it is, Blaine. Chaired by Senator Lyndon Johnson, which would recommend the creation of NASA. So I wasn't. Yeah, you were right. That far off, yeah. Yeah. He was active in formulating and voted for every major piece of legislation aimed at ending discrimination based on race, from the Civil Rights Bills of the 50s to the Civil Rights Act of 64 and the Voting Rights Act of 65. 
five. He was so, active and voted for like everything. Yeah. Like he took his job very seriously. Very seriously. He actually, he would daily read the local newspaper in Grand Rapids so he could effectively explain to his fellow mm. uh, congressmen yeah. how what they were doing impacted regular people. Yeah, he was really um, in touch with his constituents, and they yeah. loved him. I mean, when he was getting reelected in the House, it was usually, like you said, like a two-to-one margin. He would actually like read the full budget and have an understanding of everything that mm-hmm. was in there so that he could like effectively yeah. say whether it was a good idea or not. Yeah. In January of 63, Ford was elected chairman of the House of Republican Conference, which was a pretty influential position uh, within the GOP. Sounds awful. Yeah. (laughs) Let's just read that again. Yeah. He's the chairman of the House of Republican Conference. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. I mean, he's the one that like sets the floral patterns out for the conference. (laughs) Make sure he gets a good (laughs) keynote speaker. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, he was part of the Warren Commission, which I had no clue about, of course, after JFK was killed. Yeah. He was made a member of the Warren Commission that investigated the assassination two years later. Well, and it's one of those things that, like, the reason he's on all these things is he was super well-respected by everybody. And that's yeah. going to come in pretty importantly later. But everybody on both sides of the aisle really respected Jerry. Yeah. You know, they, they thought Jerry was a stand-up guy, and by all accounts, he really was. Yeah. Yeah. He was chosen as minority leader in the House two years after he was put on the Warren Commission, and he authored the book Portrait of the Assassin. He had a co-author with him, but he was basically writing about what he had learned while he was on the Warren Commission. So Warren Commission, you know, issues their huge report. Jerry Ford, two years later, issues his own book. Um, it ended up with just a picture of Alan Dulles. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, oh wow. Man, you really cut to the core of that yeah, one. Yeah, I like sure that. did. Ford served in this role uh, as minority Maria, who leader. do you think killed JFK? Oh, boy. <laughs> she just threw her hands up like, I'm, I, I don't know. She threw two peace signs up like Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> he served as minority leader uh, for nine years, from 65 to 73. From 69 through 70, he consistently supported <laughs> President Nixon's policies in the House. And his highest ambition really wasn't to be president. He just wanted to be Speaker of the House. He wanted, yeah, he really wanted to be the Speaker of the House. Yeah. The problem was the Republicans could not gain control of the House. Correct. So he continued to be the minority. Yep. Whip. 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 Is the whip the... S- I don't know. I'm throwing terms around. It's wild to me that I still haven't learned how it works. I, th- that- <laughs> I think my, I'm reading Obama league. right now, and I still have no yeah. idea, like, what mean like... You'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> so there's minority leader, and then I think the number two in the minority party is the minority whip. Whole whip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then second, like the one right behind him, is the nene. Correct. Yeah. Uh-huh. Gosh, that was good. <laughs> and if you're like a super hip second guy, you're a cool whip. Yeah, and every day for lunch they had chicken noodle soup with the cocoa on the side. <laughs> and he really would. He would whip it good. Oh, <laughs> Sometimes before work they would do whippets. <laughs> uh, We're kind of zooming through here. Like here we he, are. You know, he's in so the house. He, he what, what really wants he to be the speaker. He yeah. was the minority whip. whip. And then Watergate happens. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah. So he's vice president. <laughs> so yeah, we really did like <laughs> We're zoom through that, and that's how a bill becomes a law. October tenth, nineteen seventy-three. Vice President Spiro Agnew not, does not what? Russ, what does he do? You're the vice presidential expert. What does Agnew do in October of seventy-three? He talks about Vietnam. <laughs> resigned. Close. He resigned. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, he resigned. It was yeah. part of his plea deal because if he wouldn't have resigned, he would have been prosecuted. Correct. And that was like, if you resign from the vice presidency, we won't hold you accountable for all of the crimes you committed. Yeah. All of that is true. What was his big crime? Do you remember, Russ? Uh, Just name one Accepting of them. bribes. <laughs> accepting bribes in the basement of the White House, no less. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. In uh, briefcases. Yes, he also... briefcase of cash. And therefore evaded, you know, income tax as the vice president of the United States. Right. I mean, yeah. this Well, was, I mean, it's not like our vice president pays income tax now, so... Yeah. <laughs> there's just legal ways to do it. So Spiro Agnew is out. And also, if you want some more backstory on that, just go ahead. And, and you very well have already may have listened to uh, the Nixon episode. But if you haven't, go back and listen to it. The crook. So the next day, October 11th of 73, President Nixon offers Jerry Ford the nomination for well, VP. Originally wanted to nominate Connolly from Texas. But yep. he knew that he wouldn't get confirmed. And what he was told from the House was the only person we'd confirm on your side is Jerry Ford. Yeah. Knowing that they're giving up the presidency. The yes. Democrats, because they had, if they have the Speaker of the House, they have the next person, because they knew Nixon was out at this yeah. point. Yeah. They knew they were affirming the next president of the yep. United States, and they gave up the presidency because yeah. they, that's how well-respected Jerry Ford was. Correct. And I think Nixon was, there was a long stretch where he was the only Republican president that didn't have support in either House of Congress. Oh. Like So Democrats ran the House and the Senate, and that was like the first time in Tons of years. Which is probably really good for us. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to the original guys setting this thing up because good night, yeah. The not checks too and big balances. Of a shout out. Yeah. What'd you say? I said not too big of a shout not out. Not too big of a shout yeah. out. So he offers Ford the nomination for VP, which Ford accepts, and he was the Dude, first. Oh, my favorite story about this is when the FBI investigated, like, did the background investigation on him. It was all encompassing, so much so that they found out that one time, when he was a center for the University of Michigan or Michigan University or whatever it is. University um, of Michigan? University. Yeah. Is it University of Michigan? Maria. The Block M. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They found out he got an unsportsmanlike conduct call. And they went so far to find the referee that threw the flag wow. and found out it was a hit after the whistle. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Maybe That's how thorough the, the background investigation was. What? Wow. Yeah. The FBI went all the way back to his college football days. Yeah. And, and they in interviewed the referee. The referee that threw the flag. <laughs> threw the flag. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wait, what? Who? Oh, so, man. and even the senators that voted against him applauded his character and forthrightness in answering questions. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, I mean, he was just, he was very well respected. And I mean, if he goes back to, as we very briefly mentioned, when he was growing up, his stepdad opened, he was a varnish salesman. Yeah. And opened a paint store in 1929. Um, Historically, a great time to start a business. Oh, just a great time. Let's open up a business, babe. What do you say? Decided that he was going to keep it open for his employees throughout the Depression. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, if that's the guy raising you, like you're going to more than likely have a pretty high character. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I heard from a friend of mine that oftentimes as we're trying to teach our kids something, more often than not, things are caught, not taught. That always stuck with me of just, you oh. know, you're, you're modeling it in front of your kids. And so Jerry Ford oh. had a, a great stepdad who took him in and really, you know, he saw as his, that was his leading male figure. Right now, Ginny is playing with the goosh ball in the kitchen. <laughs> 
Uh, she has flipped it under her leg and tossed it to her husband, Blaine. Thank you, Maria, oh, thank you. for picking up the koosh ball. <laughs> On behalf of a grateful podcast cast, thank you. So he was the first vice president nominated under the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. So December 6th of 73, Ford was sworn in as VP in the House chamber and remarked that he was a, quote, Ford, not a Lincoln, but a... Oh, really? Oh, So he made that reference? He's from Michigan. He did. Did he do that often? Did I don't he know. Make the Ford reference often? I don't know. Maybe was I, his family. You can't go back to that to well them? too many times. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, you're right. You can't. You really can't go back to that. Well, well, if you if you think about it, I mean, Ford in Michigan isn't Lincoln now owned by Ford? Lincoln is currently owned by Ford. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, but it makes sense because Lincoln's the high end brand. Uh huh. Got it. Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. Let's go to next summer. So August of seventy four. President Nixon announced to the nation in a 16-minute televised speech from the Oval Office that I he am would, not a crook. That he would resign at noon the following day, and uh, Vice President Ford would be sworn in at noon on August 9th of 74. Gerald Ford became the 38th President of the United States, and like you said, Blaine, the first ever to not be elected to either the office of the vice presidency or the presidency. Ford spoke to the nation, engaging in, quote, a little straight talk among friends, and acknowledged the very special circumstances of the occasion. Addressing the Watergate scandal directly, he declared that, quote, our long national nightmare is over. And that's probably his most famous quote. Yeah. It's funny, is leading into his very first press conference, he told his advisors that he didn't think that the press was really going to hound on Watergate too much. And it really kind of spoke to, he was such a person of high character that he thought, this is behind us, they're mm-hmm. not going to bring it up because they're also people. He just assumed <laughs> yeah. everybody thought the same way he did. Yeah, it'd be a great Morgan Freeman time. It'd be like, Gerald Ford was wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's take a break. Yeah, he's about to be president. You're listening to The Unelected. The Unelected. We'll be right back. Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans. And that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation. And you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities, browse the current open job openings in these communities, and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back, friends. So Gerald Ford is now president, and he's only president from 74 to 77. So we are going to stretch this as much as we can <laughs> to hit our 90-minute mark. Well, I, uh, we did I don't say want to say that out of disrespect 90. because both no. you and I have like a lot of reverence for Jared. Yeah, which I didn't like, even know I had until yeah, I read this book. I read really... this, I, like, because I, I would hope that if you've listened to the podcast long yeah. enough, you know that I look through a lot of this through the lens of character. And yep. like, he's a super high character individual. The, the issue is it was just such a short, bright, burning star Yeah, that is overshadowed by the Watergate thing. And of yeah. course, like he pardons Nixon. Yep. Right. And, and I'm sure that's what we're about to get into. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about it is he, he just thought it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and there's, you know, theories that he was 
given like a quid pro quo. Oh, yeah. Like we'll make you the president if sure. if you pardon him. Yeah, yeah. And the the special prosecutor Jaworski, uh, not Ron, not Ron, not the dude from NFL Today. Sounds oh. like uh, sounds like this guy is uh, from Chicago. He's from Texas, actually. Oh, okay. If oh. I remember correctly, right. the he, Chicago. He actually of the probably South. wouldn't have indicted. Uh, <laughs> he he probably wasn't going to indict Nixon because he mm. was a relatively man of high character as well, yeah. and he realized that there was no way because of the media coverage yeah. that Nixon was going to be able to have an impartial trial. Correct. It was going to be impossible. Yeah. And because of that, he was like, there's no reason to indict him because there's no way that any of this is going to go through the court of law. Yeah. But he didn't share any of that with Gerald Ford. Mm. So it ended up getting Jaworski off the hook because he didn't have to invite him. Uh, oh, I see. We got Jaws off the hook on that one. Ah, there uh, it is. Hey-oh! <laughs> dun, dun. Yeah, they were like, hey, Jaws, come sail away. Come, come sail away. away. Come, come sail away, away with me. me. You guys. The, um... I'm <laughs> sailing away. With this indictment into the open sea, <laughs> I had a tough choice that Jerry Ford took away from me. His name used to be. <laughs> no, that's Les where it goes. Lee Lynch King. <laughs> yeah. His name used to be Les Lee King Jr. <laughs> And now no one will know my name for history, but I tried the best that I can to indict him. Forget about what Yeah. It was rich. Nixon, he broke a bunch of laws, and now I am the prosecutor, now I don't have none, I said, come sail away, come sail away, come sail away with me, Okay, so anyway. So within the first two weeks of his presidency, <laughs> President Ford addressed Congress on inflation, and he selected... That was a lot of fun. That was great. I loved that. <laughs> that might have been one of our... I just hope that at the mm. end of this, we can just do a whole episode of our best hits. Oh, yeah. And then like create like a 3 a.m. commercial, because that mm. can't be expensive anymore. No, no, no. no like no. a 3 a.m. commercial on like some random like sh- game show network, yeah. where it's like, three payments in 1995, <laughs> you'll get this five-disc set. Like- <laughs> <laughs> us being idiots. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Well, he addresses Congress on inflation and he selects former New York Governor Nelson Rockefeller as his VP. Before Ooh. we bring in Russ, okay. let's Man, talk about the pardon. Okay, So on this. the morning of Sunday, September 8th, 1974, Ford grants Nixon... He said, pardon. Pardon me. Oh, I do declare a full, free, and absolute pardon <laughs> for President Nixon. I say, I say, I'm going to pardon President Nixon. I know Nixon. you think I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan, <laughs> but actually I'm from Savannah, Georgia. He was Georgia. actually a large uh, bird. Chicken. His name was... I say, I say, I say, oh, full pardon, boy. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, there was no way Nixon was going to get a fair trial. It was going to get a drawn out. as The morale of the nation was going to get just even do- lower. I do want to put a, a quick pin in his presidency. Yeah. Post uh, Russ coming in and talking about Nelson Rockefeller, okay. we are going to have our first theophany in a while. 
oh, and yeah, a theophany we, oh. that people are going to mm-hmm. recognize right away. Yeah. I think yeah. you know who I'm talking about. I do. And there's two we're folks. Gonna, we're going to yeah. let the people. Two folks. two folks. Two folks. Ford's pardon. You know so obviously so. he comes in and he's like, I, I, I have to do this. My character says we need to get the nation on the up and up. Inflation mm-hmm. is crazy. Like we got to get this past us. So he does it, and he really suffers politically. I mean, this firestorm is ignited surrounding Nixon, and his uh, Ford's approval ratings dropped to 49%, and he would later admit... Immediately. Yeah. Immediately dropped, yeah. He would later admit that the pardon was his most difficult domestic decision that he made. And this is like weeks into his presidency, and he's like, that was the hardest thing I had to do domestically. Eight days following the pardon, Ford announced a clemency for draft evaders and military deserters saying that they could earn their return to the mainstream of American society by performing alternative services. So he's pardoning Nixon. It didn't work. And then he's saying, basically, draft dodgers, you... Come back. Come back if like you... He's acknowledging you fought an unjust war. Or, well, we were asking you to fight an unjust yeah. war. I'm, I'm acknowledging that publicly without saying those words. Yeah. And it did not go over well. That and is his correct. approval rating plummeted once again. Yep. Uh, what, sorry, what could they have done to mitigate that? Or what do you mean? What's your question? Well, he said, you draft dodgers, yeah. you can come back if you... I think there was like that. a, there, there was some sort of like a civil, not a civil service, but like community service yeah. volunteerism oh, okay. that you could come back. It was like a pledge for like two years that you were going to absolve, you know, the fact that you evaded. Yeah, yeah, one of those. Russ, one I'm excited to hear up. what you have to say about... Former New York Governor Nelson Rockefeller, the Vice President for Gerald Ford, and Russ. So, Nelson Rockefeller was born Nelson W. Aldrich. He didn't take the Rockefeller name initially. He took his mother's name. Until he started the record label. Hova Rockefeller Rockefeller. Oh, Oh, there it is. All right. His grandfather was John D. Rockefeller. Yeah. Railroad. Finance. What is, I don't know. Oil. Steel. Standard oil. oil. Yes. There it is. The standard oil name. I say, I say, the standard oil boy. Yeah. And if you adjust for inflation and all that fun stuff, he is, was the richest man of all time. Okay. Mm. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so Standard Oil was that makes uh, sense. Was split up in the early 1900s. Yeah. Teddy like, Roosevelt, yeah, yeah. the yeah. Trustbuster. Trustbuster. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. split up to like 34 different oil companies. Yeah. one of them's yeah. like which Chevron. was really just one oil company. Yeah, yeah. it really was <laughs> different names. Yeah, if we just call them different names, yeah, we keep it the same thing. Yeah, okay. They they knew the game. So as Nelson was growing up, he was obviously very wealthy, but he was not a fan of school, and oftentimes he would skip school. And they would find him in the um, New York, exploring the New York sewer system. Oh, he was a Ninja Turtle. He was a Ninja. He was like like the original Ninja Turtle. Like it it. happened often. Donatello does machines. Yeah. Nelson is cool but rude. Yeah, cool but rude. Uh (laughs) Who's your favorite Ninja Turtle, Ross? Ooh. I, Michelangelo. Yeah, Michelangelo. Okay. It's of always Michelangelo. Yeah, I was yeah, nunchucks. I was a Raphael guy. Were no. you? Yeah. No. I was in karate at the we time. We would not have been friends as children. Well, it's good that we're friends <laughs> now. No one I knew was a Raphael. I liked Raphael because I liked the side swords that he had. And they I liked Donatello. Kid. They had a pair of those at my dojo where I was uh, taking karate. Okay. But like you saw the movie, right? Yeah. Like I saw he was both surly. Movies. Yeah. Like he was the emo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. 
Mm-hmm. He was. I liked him yeah. in the cartoon, and I liked that him sweet also. Ass van. Did you guys ever play the Ninja Turtles two, the arcade video game? game? Yeah, oh, Lost man. in Time. So good. whenever, yeah, Turtles yeah. in Time. Dude, Turtles in Time. So yeah. good. Whenever we go to, which is very rarely, but uh-huh. uh, Tappers. Arca- yeah, Tappers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tappers. Yeah. I always just post up. It's so yeah, it's much a fun. four player it's, game. It was yeah, very similar so to like Double Dragon kind of setup where you're like double. moving Double Dragon. Yeah, and I would play with Raphael a lot. Could the Double Dragons hurt each other? Like no, because there was definitely video games at that time where yeah. there was two people and then you could punch each other and that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't Captain like that. America. America still needs your help. That was one of those. Nelson yeah, sorry for that tangent. Yeah, yeah. Ninja so his, Turtle. His grandfather was John D. Rockefeller, so uh-huh. he was you know uber 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 wealthy. Yeah, he went to Dartmouth. Wait, wait, wait. Why would he go into the sewers? Most people safety school. Uh, because he didn't want to go to school. Oh, he would hide out yeah. in the sewers. Well, Not he, like would he was explore. fascinated with them. He was he would... fascinated. We had this he rat teacher. Yeah. It was like yeah. teaching him karate and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Secret of the ooze. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, make, that, that, that makes sense. Yeah, he would explore the sewer system. Okay. Okay. Which sounds pretty cool. All right. Actually. So, yeah. He went to Dartmouth. So he, he did. Didn't get he went to Dartmouth. His, he didn't uh-huh. get into his first choice. An Ivy League school. <laughs> yeah. Remember when we named all the other ones? <laughs> yeah. I sure do. Did you say he didn't get into his first choice? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess Dartmouth's I a safety Dartmouth, school. Though. Everybody knows fine. that. As somebody that went to Indiana State, I would know. <laughs> <laughs> so at Dartmouth, he met Mary Todd Hunter Clark. Lincoln. Mary Lincoln. Todd Hunter Clark. Do you know what her nickname was? Do you know what they called her? Mary Todd Hunter Clark. Widow. Uh, what you say? Widow. Widow. No. Mary Todd Hunter Clark. I have no clue. I'm vampire Slayer. They called her Todd. Todd. That was her nickname was That's Todd. That's very unoriginal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Unoriginal. Is it? I would have called Is it her. unoriginal? Yeah, it was one of her names. Yeah, yeah. but who? Okay. I would have called her First Lady or something like Lincoln. Or, yeah. Uh, sure. I mean. I would have got creative. They met in college. Yeah. But Todd. I felt like Todd Raphael. was a strange nickname for uh, a, a female. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. It's and like uh, one of the the dates in uh, High Fidelity, Charlie. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm. It's like it's still not Todd. It's like Gerald Zeta Ford Zeta being Jones. Leslie. Yeah, I would have called her Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah, and it would have just been a deep cut, and everybody would have had to ask about it at all times. <laughs> Who's Catherine <laughs> like, Zeta Jones? You know, because they call her Todd. Yeah. yeah. Her name's Charlie in this movie. They just, don't me. worry about it. You you get it. You'll get it. <laughs> your kids will get it. Yeah. yeah. You might not be ready, but your kids will. Okay, so so. Um, after he left Dartmouth, he, Good he went Back into to the Future the... reference. <laughs> so he's dating a chick named Todd. He's dating okay. a chick named which Todd. Which sounds like a Johnny Cash song. Yeah. A boy yeah. named Sue. Boy or like something Sue, that would make Todd. Republicans really mad right now. <laughs> 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 like she's not playing sports, is she? <laughs> After he left Dartmouth, he uh-huh. went into the family business and he became president of Chase Bank. Okay. Of course you know. he did. Of course he did. Huh. What experience do you have? You this know. is my uh, My name's Rockefeller. <laughs> You're higher. You're higher. Bully. <laughs> no, he would have been very against that. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he didn't. He definitely didn't do anything with the Roosevelt name. No. So he would have been very against nepotism. Yeah. Who was the Aldrich? The, you said his mom's name was Aldrich. Yeah. Where did she? Do you have anything about where she came from? She came from a family from with well. the last name of Aldridge. Okay. Oh, ooh, wow. Was How it, deep did you dig to get that, Russ? <laughs> well, I have other things. Was it A-H-L or A? No, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. A-L-D-R-I-C-H. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. After he resigned as the president of Chase Bank, he became the president of Creole Petroleum, which was a... Standard Oil subsidiary in Venezuela. In Louisiana? No. Venezuela. 
Huh. Okay. Yeah. But I feel like it was a solid guess. Creole. It was a solid know. guess. Yeah. yeah, you said Creole, right? Yeah. yeah. So he and he got really Back into... Back when you could just haphazardly name things after a people, yes. an indigenous <laughs> tribe. Creole. Like, it's Creole Petroleum. Yeah. yeah. It's south. Yeah. Yeah. It's south of New York. It's Creole. I think they're speaking French. <laughs> like, <laughs> south of New York. It's Creole. Yeah. It's great. He got very much into South American... So he learned Spanish. He was very much into the Venezuelan culture. And because of that... Oh, so he was a socialist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Eisenhower brought him on as the coordinator of intra-American affairs. Okay. Which really the goal was, at the time, there was a up-and-coming Nazi influence in South America. Okay. Yeah. At the time. So he Wait, was... Wait, what year is this? Uh, Eisenhower. Oh, uh, so this this is former Nazi officers who fled to South America. Correct. Okay. Right. That's a thing. Were all of them trying to hide out or were some of them public? No, some of them Alan Dulles put there because they were strategic for us and our purposes. They weren't all hiding out. They were strategically placed. Yeah. So his job there was to raise the standard of living in South America in order to counteract this rising Nazi influence. So they figured if people, you know, people in poverty are more likely to... Right, you because know, rich towards. people definitely don't get duped by things. Of course not. Yeah. Never. Yeah, never. Mm-mm. One of the things he had to do was he was involved with the movie industry in order to create kind of propaganda films against Nazis. U.S. For film South industry America. or South... Film industry stateside or... No, film Venezuela. industry stateside. Okay. But he was... The budget for it came from the inter... Whatever. American. Intergalactic. Yeah. Planetary. For South American. And one of those movies was Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator. Oh, shoot. That was a huh. propaganda film. Caught myself. Meant- <laughs> Didn't have to beep that one for us. I'll still beep it. Oh. <laughs> meant for, meant for South America. American activities. Inter-American oh, activities. Beastie Boys. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Inter- it's, harder, it's harder to do that one than Come Sail Away. I thought you were saying Back to the Future. And I was like, Beastie Boys. No, he was quoting Back to the Future. No, got I it. was quoting, oh, Fudge oh, was uh, fudge. The Christmas Story. No, right. that's Back to the Future. Oh, okay. It's a callback to the beginning of the episode. He was oh. vice president <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, go ahead. Doesn't really matter. I love he died after that. Us. But he died after. What he happened died after like, he died? He died like uh, two years after vice presidency. Okay. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. Well, he was actually like, that was one of the reasons that Ford lost the reelection is because yeah. Ford booted him he, from the ticket. Which is this, and his wife. Foreshadowing. Betty Russ. was not like, there yet. Betty was like, what are you doing? But yeah. go ahead, Russ. Speaking of his wife. So he was married to Todd, right? And he had five kids with Todd. Wow. Uh-huh. You're really heavy on the Todd thing. Yeah. I am. because yeah, it, I get it, it. It really surprises me that the nickname was Todd. Like Sam for Samantha. That's yeah, yeah. I'm going to cut all of it out. Okay. doesn't matter. No, you're not. No, keep that in. Fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So he had a son named Michael. Michael Rockefeller. Michael Smith. Right? Sure. Michael Todd Rockefeller. He was one of the five children that he had with Todd. Naturally. And. Michael went to Harvard, and he was better a, than Dartmouth. He yeah. was always like, "Dad, That's hey, true. which school do you go to, Dad?" Because I went to the real school. <laughs> so he was an anthropologist, oh. and as one of his, so he had that store, anthropology, oh, yeah. a lot yeah. of crates, yeah, a lot of crates, a lot of yeah. barrels. Spell it weird, yeah. mason yeah. jars. As his anthropology project, I guess mm-hmm. he was Anthrop- going to film a documentary 
in Papua New Guinea. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it only cost three dollars and twenty five cents to get from Papua New Guinea to Tipton, Indiana. Was that yeah. the documentary? Was it about my grandfather? It was not about Grandpa your grandfather. Fox. Okay. He played a lot of softball. Yeah, um, he fired a lot of stuff. He didn't know where it went. The Rockefellers actually funded the entire documentary. Sure, they figure. did. I mean, hmm. that's the reason they were like, "What it. do you need? Fifteen million? Oh, no problem. Hold on, let me blow my nose." He went to Papua New Guinea. Uh-huh. He was filming the documentary, and he had gone on a a resource resupply oh. with one of the boat crew members. Okay. Cameraman. And, yeah. the cameraman. Did he have pants? to sail away for it? Probably had to sail away He's for it. wearing cameraman pants. Yeah. Mm. So it was him mm-hmm. and the guy that was captaining the boat and two locals from Papua New Guinea. Okay. The... Boat got in a place where it became inoperable. Okay. So the two Papua New Guinea gentlemen said they were going to swim the shore and get help. So no, they weren't. They well, I mean, they left the boat. They're going to yeah. get eaten. They by were sharks. like, "We're out, guys." Yeah. <clears throat> See ya. Yeah. Two of us can swim back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, it had been several days. And they thought, okay. They're not coming back, are they? <laughs> nobody's nobody's <laughs> Those coming dudes back just swim us. back. I feel like they just went home. Michael took two empty gas cans uh-huh. as like floats. Okay. And <laughs> he decided to swim to shore. Right? Okay. That's not swimming. No. Well, he was never heard from or seen from again. Shocking. Oh. Yeah. They did find one of the gas cans. Was so, he with Lindbergh's baby? <laughs> well, I... Was there a tie-in to Lindbergh, too? I really hope that the Lindbergh baby did not end up in the same way that Michael did. When Nelson Rockefeller heard about this, he went down to Papua New Guinea to find Michael because Michael was missing, right? I have enough money to fix this problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he went down there. They found the empty gas can, but no other... They didn't find a body or anything like that. After a while, Nelson gave up. He came back, told Todd that... Michael wasn't found, and they created a death certificate. Sure. Okay. So he's dead. But is he? No, he's dead. Oh, he is. Okay. See, he is that's dead. where. Gosh he's, dang it. I thought he was, I was gonna, really hoping he yeah, was going to He was going to come back later. Like, yeah, I swam back with the New Guineans. Just wait. <laughs> it was a unsolved case for quite some time. Clearly. Yeah. Until yeah. a few decades ago, National Geographic sent a wait a second an investigator out to Papua New Guinea. <sighs> To follow up and find out what happened. And he did. What did so, he find? Apparently, when Michael jumped from the boat uh-huh. and swam with the gas cans, he actually made it back to shore. And he ran into a tribe of the Azmat people. The Azmat people were known cannibals. Oh, oh my. The National Geographic this. investigator. Also got eaten. No, but he found letters that were written by Catholic priests that were missionaries with the Asmat people at the time. Okay. And those letters detailed exactly what happened. Papua New Guinea was a Dutch colony. Another secret the Catholic Church is keeping. It's definitely a secret the Catholic Church (laughs) is keeping. So at the time, the Papua New Guinea was a Dutch colony, or they were ruling it. And they isn't that weird? (laughs) Recently, the Dutch had come and killed some of the Asmat people. They had left, and then Michael comes on shore. Oh, they're like, "You're Dutch. You're done." (laughs) Exactly. Those wooden shoes. (laughs) How do you feel about windmills? And he's like, "I mean, they're fine." And they're like, "Get him." 
Get your thumb out of that dike. (laughs) Oh, boy. He came at the exactly wrong time. Yeah. And in these letters from the Catholic priests, they detailed who ate what part of him. Like, such and such ate the femur, such and such ate the head, dot, dot, dot. So it's like Leviticus. And and then (laughs) so-and-so ate the femur, and then so-and-so's family ate the head, and then the such-and-such tribe gets the foot. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. so he, he was eaten. And then the the Catholic priests had actually sent these letters off to I don't know the Vatican. The Vatican. Yeah. The Vatican. They were like that one goes in the basement. Yeah, let's bury that one. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. Yeah. Oh my god! They wow. they buried these letters wow. even when they knew the Rockefellers were still looking for their son. Sure. Right? Well, the Catholic Church answers to no man. <laughs> they don't, and because they wanted to continue to keep their money, tent, uh, secrets, power power over Papua New Guinea, uh-huh. one of the things they were saying was, it's a civilized nation. We're making it civilized. Yeah. So we should really, you know, continue to move it forward. This would not have been good that they had eaten somebody, Gosh. you know, eaten a Rockefeller or an Aldrich, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So they ate him. They found out they ate him. He was cannibalized. New it was Guinea crazy. Michael was eaten back in a Okay, well... Uh, wow. I have one more thing. Okay. So the Catholic Church is covering up Nelson Rockefeller's son getting eaten by eaten cannibals by in cannibals. Okay. Yeah, and then we find that out. So now everyone knows he was eaten by cannibals. Whew, wow. Yeah. That is Crazy. Wild. Anyway, uh-huh. Nelson Rockefeller, as I said, died two years after he left the vice presidency. Correct. Okay. The way he died was he had a, a massive heart attack while he was mid coitus with his secretary oh i did know that yeah i actually did know that. yeah that's yeah. how it went down russ thank you as always just for uh all the research you do on he the was vice, vice president too yeah he was. it's crazy he was, yeah right. well it, oh, you know maybe uh gerald made the right decision not bringing him in to run for another term yeah and with that uh I feel like this is a really good spot. To I just want to say we got about two weeks into his presidency. <laughs> that just happened, and now we're taking another break. We'll be back to uh, finish up Gerald Ford's time as 38th president of the United States. You're listening to The Unelected. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Ryan. If you need custom-made T-shirts for your team or organization, look no further than our good friends here in Indy, The Art Press. The Art Press is a local, eco-friendly small business that's been around for years here in Indy, designing and printing all the super comfortable shirts you may have seen through their parent company's store, Vardigan. We've worked with them on our awesome new shirts that feature Thomas Jefferson writing a fire-breathing mastodon, and our experience couldn't have gone better. If you need help creating a design or you have your artwork ready, Ready to print, Derek and the team at The Art Press can help you get your orders set up online quickly and easily. Plus, they ship everywhere and offer excellent customer service. Get a quote on your order of shirts today at theartpress.com. That's theartpress.com. We are back. Wow, Russ, I just want to say again, that was fantastic. All right, so this is still 1974. I know we jumped around a lot there, but Betty Ford undergoes a mastectomy in her battle against breast cancer. And I just want to pause and think about what Ford has gone through at this point. So he has become VP, not seeking the office at all. Then he becomes president. Then he pardons Nixon, gets excoriated for it. And then he is alongside his wife as she fights cancer. And this is all in a year. Well, and it's important to note she was diagnosed with breast cancer and got a mastectomy. Mm-hmm. She was very vocal about getting checked 
and the doctors believe that her openness and women following her lead saved thousands of lives. Mm. So a lot of the, like Susan Komen and yeah. Pink Ribbon and things like that goes back to Betty Ford. Mm. Like she was the first one that was really out in the forefront for yeah. saying like, women, you need to get checked early yeah. and often mm-hmm. because this can save your life. Yeah. And like, I mean, I mean, think about it. It's not thousands, it's millions of yeah. lives that can be traced back to Betty Ford. And we'll talk about some other Betty sure. Ford stuff later. Yeah. But like, that's incredible legacy to be left could have been and, kept very private yet used her platform yeah for good. And, and and i think that like i hope that through all the jokes and stuff that we make that we yeah. like those types of things are, yeah. are brought up and sure. are they're very important yeah uh, i mean that that was such a, unfortunately for her that she had to go through that but i mean just as such a legacy left yeah. and, and and honestly has saved millions of lives since yeah. since then that's amazing in 1974, the Democrats are victorious all over the country. They've gained governorships, House seats, Senate seats. So basically, he's in the same position as Nixon was, where he's a Republican president with a Democratic Congress. Go ahead. Can we Lane. talk about Brezhnev? Sure. Is that coming up? Go ahead. Because I, I don't have years in my notes. Yeah, no, my you're notes all good. are chicken surrats and all over the place. And all good. usually it's like page numbers and haha. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's my one of these days. I'll auction off my notes one day to try yeah. to make up for all the books we bought. Um, so, <clears throat> he was meeting with Brez, Brezhnev. Am I saying that right? Brezhnev, yeah. Um, and the night before the meeting, he was woken up in the middle of the night because he, he told his staff or his Secret Service, let me know what happens in the Ohio State Michigan game. Huh. Because, you know, as a Michigan yep. man, which is, I rivalry. believe is what they're called, Ohio State won. 12 to 10 on a missed field goal. That's an odd football score. Yeah. To 10, yeah. The next morning, uh, he had an agreement with Brezhnev for, to end the cold war. And Brezhnev died of a massive heart attack and the agreement was never signed. Oh, wow. Man. Yeah. So small footnote in history, like the Ohio state Michigan store, I don't think yeah. led to Brezhnev's heart attack, but I don't know. He might've been a big Michigan fan. Yeah. Uh, and I think Brezhnev was one of the guy with the eyebrows. He had bushy eyebrows, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Sounds um, like it would happen. But that's crazy. I mean, that would have been his reelection right there. Yeah. Brezhnev doesn't have that heart attack. He ends the cold war. Right. They had an agreement in place. Brezhnev just didn't mm. sign the document. Well, then you think, too, you got to go through eight years of Reagan, tear down this wall, and then H.W. Bush was actually in office. When He's the, the one that gets credit. Yeah. Fell. Yeah. yeah. He's the one that gets credit. But, like, it could have happened so much earlier. 1974, 75. Yeah. Wow. Oh, we, the theophany. Uh-huh. So his chief of staff oh. Oh. was Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah, he was. He was 31 years old. Gosh, it's young. You know who Donald Rumsfeld picked to run the office? Um... Dick Cheney? Yeah. 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 Dick Cheney ran yeah. the office. And it was weird because reading the book, like they were incredibly different people. Mm-hmm. They were idealists. They ran that office incredibly well. Yeah. Rumsfeld was the one that was telling Ford. Like Ford was very like Clintonian because we all like, well, and we'll talk about it in a later episode, but like Clinton was really good in a room. Like he always, he knew everybody in the room. Yeah. He had his little black book. He, he was really good at engaging people. It was really hard to get him out of a room because mm. he wanted to like talk to the people yeah. that was Ford mm-hmm. and Rumsfeld knew like, you can't do that speech because you're going to walk to the speech and on the way there, you're going to talk to 20 people and on the way back and it's going to kill your day. So you yeah. can't do that. Like Rumsfeld ran his office to make sure that he was presidential and mm. could keep his eye on the actual important things. Yeah. And 
it was really incredible because I got a different picture of Rumsfeld than like mm. what our picture is sure. today. Yeah. And you know, it's unfortunate that that's where we went to, but the way he ran the, the Ford white house was yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. If you think when was the next time that Rumsfeld and Cheney were really in the national spotlight was early two thousands, right? Yeah. Iraq. I mean, yeah. It's 1975. There's tons of unemployment. Eight million Americans are out of work. It's the highest point since 1941. Around this time, Cambodia has fallen to the Khmer Rouge. The Vietnam War officially ends under Ford's watch, and he orders military action against Cambodia after the U.S. merchant ship Mayaguez, Mayaguez. Mayaguez was seized by uh, Cambodian communist forces. He ordered the Marines over. Well, he ordered them into action, and 15 Marines were killed, but the sailors were not found. And so Ford ordered airstrikes on the Cambodian mainland, and the entire crew was eventually released. So Another fun fact about him right before that uh -huh. happened, there was an assassination attempt on him. Yeah. It was Lynette Fromm uh -huh. tried to assassinate him in California. Nicknamed Squeaky? When she came out and the act happened, he said, slow down, everything is all right. And then he went to his meeting with Governor Jerry Brown. 30 minutes into the meeting, uh, he got briefed. Brown asked what was going on, and he goes, oh, someone had a gun in the park over there. Yeah. and Very and nonchalant about it. So, Squeaky From, if you don't know who that is, she was a former follower of Charles Manson. Barely two weeks after that, there was an activist named Sarah Moore who fired a gun at him in San Francisco. So the first time Squeaky was in Sacramento, mm -hmm. but a fellow bystander in the crowd who was a former Marine knocked the weapon out of her hand. And both Fromm and Moore were sentenced to life in prison, but were eventually released on parole back in 2009. So he was the target of two Russ assassinations, both in the same year, both in California, and both by women. Do you know that the guy, I don't remember his name, that actually tackled her, the bystander, he was, he didn't want any kind of publicity. He didn't want anybody to interview him. He just wanted to sink back into the crowd. The media found out who he was and he was living in San Francisco at the time. Hmm. He was outed as homosexual in the oh. national media. It, wow. Like he was from Oklahoma or something Why? like that. Okay. He didn't want his family to know. And he was like Gosh. thrust into becoming like a gay rights activist wow outside of his control because he had tackled this woman that's awful anyway gosh i'd never heard that side of the story yeah and um, now you know i hope that's actually the rest of now the i story. do when you were talking about that i was thinking about the man in the crowd at mckinley's assassination oh who, he was standing behind the guy who's yeah. african american guy who's yeah. standing like behind the dude. Jaw, yeah right yeah and he's yeah. like i wish i could have done more yeah yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to go down that rabbit hole of people who were there on site of presidential assassinations or attempts that played yeah. a part in history but are mm. unknown. Anyway, he rearranges his cabinet in 75. Henry Kissinger gave up the National Security Council post. George H.W. Bush was appointed to director of the CIA. And like mm. you said, Blaine Dick Cheney was the White House chief of staff. And Rockefeller withdrew his name for consideration for VP at the time. Well, he was like kind of forced to. Yeah. Ford came to him and was like, we can't have you VP. Do you remember who he selected as a VP? Um, I I know when you say it, I'm going to remember. Who Bob Dole. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bob Dole. Yeah. yeah. Bob Dole. Yeah. Yeah. To run against Reagan, who he disdained. Uh -huh. He absolutely could not stand Reagan. He just thought he was an actor putting on a facade. 
and he lost. In December of 75, Ford became the first president to visit the USS Arizona Memorial on the anniversary of the Pearl Harbor attack. He said there in the speech, this was a moving speech, whoever watched the Pacific churned by winds of wars comes to this hallowed place with feelings overcoming words. Our shipmates who rest in honor here, our comrades in arms who sleep beneath the waves and on the islands that surround us, need no eulogy beyond the eternal gratitude of the land that they loved. These are words from a guy who's getting lampooned on Saturday Night Live by Chevy Chase at the time for being mm-hmm. some of like the bumbling buffoon. Because I think he like slipped on the you know uh, yeah the carpet of Air Force One as it yeah, was coming as down. he was coming down yeah and. Sometimes now looking back for a younger generation, that might be how you see Gerald Ford, but those words came from him. In 76, he established the Intelligence Oversight Board, which was a body of private citizens appointed by the president to review activities within the intelligence community. So there was a huge reorganization of the CIA, the FBI, Secretary of State, Treasury and Defense, and that's all Ford. I mean, all these different agencies, he's like, we need thorough communication and organization across the board from him. He signed a treaty on underground nuclear explosives with the Soviet Union. I'd never heard about that. Limited the number of nuclear test explosions. Also, you can overlook this, but he was our bicentennial president. In July 4th of 76, he spoke at Valley Forge and at Independence Hall. Trivia for you both. Who was America's centennial president? Benjamin Harrison. Mm -hmm. Russ? I was going to say Benjamin well, Harrison. Centennial well. of 1876, who was president. Oh, Grant? Yep. There you go. Oh. Ulysses S. Grant. Around the time, there's a landing on Mars, Viking One, which was a mere, think of this, 18 years after the establishment of NASA that Gerald Ford was a part of in the house. 18 years after that, there's a lander that's on Mars. I mean, think of the, the we've talked. Russ, you're looking confused. Well, I, how long does it take for a lander to get to Mars? It's a good question. Five years? In 1976? I don't know. Seen that movie with Matt Damon? Yeah. yeah. Gary Sneeze? Matt Damon. Yeah. It would have had like leaded gasoline, right? It's that kind of a cool so thinking of like where Ford was when NASA was getting created and then when Mars. he's president. Mars. Yeah. November of 76, Carter defeats Ford for the presidency. He's won uh, almost 50% of the popular vote to Ford's 48%. He was asked afterwards what his greatest disappointment was, and he said that he didn't feel like he played enough his junior year at Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Sir, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. Not um, pardoning Knicks and not losing to Carter. It was not playing enough his junior year. He, I didn't know this at all. He proposed that Puerto Rico become the 51st state without consulting Congress. But Congress was like, no. No, you can't do that. <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. So he's now out of the office. You know, Carter gets sworn in. We'll talk more about that in the next episode. He retires to Palm Springs, California, in Vail, Colorado. He's serving on a lot of corporate boards, a lot of charitable causes. He's participating in the Republican Party functions. In 1980. As Reagan was preparing for a Republican nomination, his team thought that former President Ford would be appealing as a Midwesterner to be Reagan's VP. Um, Ford thought, though, that, you know, I've been president before. I don't want to be VP. Interestingly enough, you remember in the Truman episode where Truman invited Ike to be president, but Truman would be VP. Instead of going for VP, he turned the tables on Reagan's group and said, what if... We did like a co-presidency. Yeah. What? <laughs> what, if, what if we're co-presidents? Which they actually like discussed for a yeah. while. 
And Reagan was... Uh, He's like, well, I'm just an actor, so maybe that's not a bad idea. Reagan basically said, I don't think it's going to work out. Wait, Na- they- Nancy also was the one who was like, yeah. Ronnie, that's not going to work. Well, hold on. They discussed it as a possible yes. realistic yeah. thing. Yes. Co-president Co- of the United presidency. States. He was interviewed on TV about it. Yeah. <laughs> that can't be a thing, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I mean, they floated the idea, but yeah. that's not a thing. No, it can't be a no. thing. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, his presidential library, uh, which he was working on a lot, obviously, in his retirement, is kind of an anomaly because the library and the museum are on two different sites. So when he was in the Congress, he agreed to leave all of his papers to the University of Michigan in Ann Ar- Arbor. Uh-huh. But when he became the president, Michigan, the university, and Grand Rapids... Go Lakers. Go Lakers. They were trying to figure out who could claim what and the Ford library eventually was on the university of Michigan campus and the Ford museum is there in grand Rapids. So kind of interesting October of 83, the Betty Ford center was established. As yeah. So ad- she got addicted to painkillers mm-hmm. and the family had an intervention. Yep. She sought treatment and then publicly urged others to do so, which yeah. caused the Betty Ford. So Again. two, th- two things, you know, yeah. breast cancer and, yeah. Drug addiction, yeah, and and now we have the Betty Ford Clinic in Minnesota. Uh, it's it was on the campus of the Eisenhower Medical Center in California. Oh, I was yeah. way off. That's okay. Was... In ninety four, the University of Michigan retired his number, number forty eight, at the halftime of the Michigan State game. It was only the fifth football number to be retired by the University of Michigan. In ninety eight, following the impeachment of President Clinton. Ford co-authored a op-ed piece in the New York Times with former President Carter. They argued for a bipartisan resolution of censure instead of impeachment. And in 99, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by President Clinton. He died on December 26, 2006 in California at the age of 93. His body was flown to D.C. to lie in state at the Capitol. And then before arriving at the Capitol, the funeral procession drove to Alexandria, Virginia and passed by the Ford's former home there. And then it paused for a ceremony at the World War II Veterans Memorial in D.C., and he was buried on the grounds of the Presidential Museum in Grand Rapids, Michigan in early 2007. He was the last surviving member of the Warren Commission and the longest lived U.S. president, having lived 93 years and 165 days, 45 days longer than Reagan. So just squeak past Reagan there. Let's talk about his legacy. So, I mean, we had mentioned before, you know, most Americans remember him in the long narrative of these presidencies for basically pardoning Nixon. And that happened again, just mere weeks into his time as president. What struck you guys about Gerald Ford? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Russ, I know you didn't read the book, Overall but as, as you've had this conversation going through your ears, what, what strikes you? Well, honestly, I think Betty Ford wouldn't have been as yeah. influential. I mean, she seems to be almost more legacy. Uh, yeah, her, yeah. Her legacy is more sustained than Gerald Ford is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean, extremely high character individual. Yeah. It's it's almost like he's lost in history uh, yeah. because of what he fell under and uh, had such a short run. But, I mean, it, it's important to know the, the, the level of character he had and the yeah. fact that he was president was because of his character yep. because both sides of the house yeah. realized that that was the best thing to do. Yeah. According to C-SPAN's Presidential Historian Survey that we often serve, you know, look at, don't always agree with, but look at it, Ford currently sits as number 28 below Garfield and above George W. Bush. All right, let's finish this sentence. Gerald Ford is the reason that the United States of America has a lot of 5Ks. 
for breast cancer. Oh, oh. huh. Yeah. Okay. Had Nelson Rockefeller as a vice president football, really. who had a son that was eaten by candles <laughs> in Papua New Guinea. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's kind of the general answer, but that we can put a period on the, the Nixon-Watergate scandal. I mean, that's really it. Little known facts time. Here we go. He was a forest ranger at Yellowstone uh, over oh. the summer of 1936 when he was a young man. I have one. Yeah, go ahead. He federally approved the use of ATMs. Oh, Wait, like automatic yeah. teller machines? Yep. Huh. huh. Didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. As president, he was uh-huh. like, yep, we're going to do it. Okay, that's cool. 26 presidents have served in the military, and Ford was the fourth president who served in the Navy. He was a very passionate advocate for fellow veterans. He belonged to the American Legion, AMVETS, and the VFW. Uh, he also, when he was president, established two new national cemeteries, approved eight new VA hospitals, and he resolved the cases of 24 missing in action Americans with the Chinese government oh, while wow. he was a sitting president. Hmm. He used his veto power 56 times, saved American taxpayers nearly $10 billion in 1970s dollars during an era when federal spending and inflation were running rampant. He appointed, promoted, or retained more Hispanic Americans to federal posts than any previous president leading up to him. We have Women's Equality Day on August 26th due to Gerald Ford, declaring that, quote, Americans must deal with those inequities that still linger as barriers to the full participation of women in the nation's life. Russ, this might resonate with you. The Boy Scouts of America awarded him with the Silver Buffalo Award. Have you heard of that? What's that? No. I have no, <laughs> no idea what that is. Uh, it's an award for the distinguished service to the country and its youth. The Silver Buffalo? The Silver, Silver Buffalo, Buffalo right. He shares a death date with Harry Truman. Only Day after two, Christmas. Oh, yeah. Only two other dates of death are shared by presidents. You guys July 4th. Okay. Um, what was Jefferson and Adams. And there was one more. in Madison, later. Monroe. There you go, yeah. Monroe. And March 8th, you guys will not get this, but March 8th was shared by Fillmore and Taft. Oh, no, that was what I was going to say. You didn't yeah. give me a chance. So if either of those are your birthdays, congrats. There was a... If it's your death day, how are you listening? Yeah. 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 Did Taft die in his sleep? It would make sense. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. The state of Michigan gifted a bronze statue of Ford for the National Statuary Hall in the U.S. Capitol in 2011. The statue would later get national recognition during the January 6th storming of the Capitol, where it was photographed wearing a MAGA hat and holding a Trump 2020 flag. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. He adopted a golden retriever named Liberty after he became president. And so one night he takes the dog out to go do her business at 3 a.m. while he's president and he tries to get back in the White House but he's locked Door's out. Locked. He's locked out. <laughs> and so no one sends this elevator to get him so he's like, well, I might as well take the stairs but the door to the second floor only swung one way and so uh, eventually the Secret Service was alerted to the fact that the president was <laughs> outside of the White House unable to get in <laughs> and let him in. He made a cameo in the show Dynasty. Of course he did. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dynasty was shooting a scene at a charity ball in Denver in 83. So he's in retirement out there. And producers spot him in attendance. And they pitched him a scene where he would briefly greet two actors in Dynasty. And he actually lobbied for his wife to be on camera as well. He was like, hey, I'll only do it if Betty will yeah. get in. 
And they were like, okay. And they both got paid 330 bucks for doing Ooh, it. So sweet. There you go. Yeah. In 2006, this is the last one I have. The NCAA named Gerald Ford as the 14th most influential student athlete of the last 100 years. Huh. Hmm. Who's number one? I don't know. Interesting. Russ, we got to look it up. <laughs> While Russ is looking that up, hey, uh, thank you so much for listening. We encourage you to check us out on socials. Join the Patreon community, too. It's a lot of fun. You guys get all kinds of bonus episodes. We've recorded them on tons of different American non-presidents, and we really enjoy connecting with our patrons. And you will also get episodes before they come out. You'll get them as well ad-free. So join up at patreon.com slash presequential for just five bucks a Can month. I guess? Russ, what did you is find? Is it Jesse Owens? It is Jesse Owens. Okay. No, no, no. Nice. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Arthur Ashe oh, is number okay. one. Okay. Followed by Jesse Owens, okay. then John Wooden. But after John Wooden is Madeline Albright. What? What? Yeah, Madeline Albright this went is the to NCAA? Wesley. She went to Wesley? <laughs> Wesley. The NCAA's 100 most influential student athletes. Wow. After Madeline Albright was <laughs> Eunice Shriver and then Ronald Reagan. Oh, gosh. Okay. Huh. So he played baseball at whatever, Ithaca, Eureka, Eureka College. Eureka. All right. Well, okay. it's been fun. Yeah, it has been a good time. Our <laughs> next episode on 39th President Jimmy Carter is going to be released on Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. Thanks so much for listening to episode 38, the unelected of the Presidential Podcast. We will see you in just a couple weeks. Thanks a lot. Thanks.